Maybe the strangest thing or the strangest feeling I had was when I saw my my friend on a parachute in the middle of a huge thermal with nearly 30 gliders. Welcome to Soaring the Sky, a glider pilot's podcast. Hello, my name is Chuck. I am your host, coming to you from the Mid-Atlantic region here in the United States and flying with the Cumberland Soaring Group. A big thank you for joining us again, and also a big thank you to our Patreon pilots, Brett Ross and Mitch Thompson. Guys like these make it possible to bring you great content, and getting some of that content includes traveling. And our recent trip to California, we were able to get a hold of some great pilots, and you will be hearing from them in upcoming episodes. If you want to support us, patreon.com slash soaringthesky. This episode is sponsored by the Southern California Soaring Academy, a 501c3 nonprofit organization based in the high desert of Los Angeles County. Soaring Academy is dedicated to growing the sport of soaring with young people through its 8th grade STEM outreach programs and giving back to PTSD-afflicted veterans during private monthly events. Flight lessons and mountain soaring are available year-round to the general public, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and Monday. To learn how you can get involved, check them out on Instagram and Facebook at Soaring Academy or online at SoCalSoaringAcademy.org. Our guest pilot today joins us from the Czech Republic and recently competed in the Women's World Gliding Championships in Australia, finishing in the top 10. She has also flown in the Junior World's Gliding Championships in Hungary. She loves flying in her home country between competitions, and she is also a wave pilot. Barbara has a passion for soaring and will share her story and adventures now on Soaring the Sky. Barbara Mareftova, welcome to Soaring the Sky. Glad to have you today. How are you? Hi, Chuck. Well, I'm really glad to have you as well. And I'm really feeling great because I landed from a great flight today. Even though the forecast didn't look really promising, we flew and it was really fun. So, yeah, I'm really, really great at the moment. Oh, that's awesome. Where are you flying out of? Uh, well, I'm flying uh, at Aero Club Zbraslavice. It is a, an Aero Club where uh, Women Worlds in 2017 took place. So uh, it is really a well-known place because it is something like a gliding heaven in Czech Republic. So yes, uh, Zbraslavice is my home Aero Club. How was your flight today? Well, um, I flew for the first time with water ballast, so it was really awesome. <laughs> oh, very nice. Yeah, it was really, it was something, it was really something different. And I flew LS8 and I really love the glider because it is great to handle and really nice to fly. So uh, I didn't really feel the difference in like flying, but the performance was much, much, much better. So I really enjoyed the flight. And even though there was only a window of two hours that was possible to fly in it, so I took those two hours to the maximum and flew with the water ballast and it was really great. So, yeah, I enjoyed that much. I don't want to uh, leave the glider now. <laughs> <laughs> right. Sitting next to, sitting next to it. <laughs> nice. When did your aviation adventure get started? Well, uh, my aviation uh, adventure began uh, when I was maybe 15. If we take it to the very, very first origin, I already flew with my when uh, my mom was pregnant because my both parents are flying. 
both are glider pilots and my dad is also a tow pilot and uh, he was he was towing me the the whole elementary training so <laughs> so it was some some kind of a family thing but actually my family didn't really want me to fly because my previous hobby was horse riding and when i was 15 i broke my leg when i fell from a horse and accidentally it was at one airfield that is near my home and i was just thinking okay well maybe just it it would be great to try something else and the same year when i broke my leg uh my home home club where i basically grew up my home club was organizing junior nationals so there were really really many young people and they were talking about gliding about their adventures how they met and everything and i re i was really envious about all the adventures they had so uh, i was just thinking okay i i think i i should try that too so i told my parents and they were laughing at me that uh i really didn't know nothing about gliding and everything so it took me a year to earn money to fly for my elementary training, basically. And um, yeah, since then I'm flying and I really can't imagine any other hobby to encourage me to do it more and more because flying and gliding basically is something that you just can't forget. You think about it, it is the first thing you think about uh, in the morning, so... Yes. Oh, yeah, absolutely. How did your competition flying go? I know you just <laughs> earlier this year were at the Women's Worlds in Australia, correct? Uh, yes, that's correct. I attended uh, Women's Worlds. And honestly, it didn't really go my way because I thought that I will perform much better. But at last, I'm really, really happy for the result as I was uh, ninth. So um, there were really many experiences that I will never forget in my life. And it was really unforgettable. So I think I didn't do really bad, but I didn't do really good as well. <laughs> so, I would say the top 10 of the women's worlds, I'd, I'd say you were doing great. Yeah, well, hopefully, but hopefully next time is better. It was the first women's worlds I attended. So, wow. Um, yeah. <laughs> The first women worlds and uh, already in Australia, which which was really my dream to fly a competition in Australia, and the dream came true. Oh, that is great! You you were able to do that. Now you were flying the ASW nineteen, right? Well, actually, I'm uh, a bit promiscuous this year. <laughs> however, <laughs> however, um, yeah, I I've flown uh, the nineteen since. 2016 and uh, I have uh, 700 hours uh, on that type so yeah basically 73 hours flown in Australia so with uh, ASW19 and uh, now I am just switching between uh, standard Cirrus and LS8 since today. How do you like the LS8 compared to the 19? Well Oh, it's really tough question. You you just don't have to ask me those questions <laughs> because the, the the nineteen the nineteen is really my love. 
since the very first beginning. Actually, we didn't really have that love on the first sight with the 19, because many years ago, it was one year after uh, I finished my elementary training and started to do uh, cross-country flights, and half a year after I earned my cyber badge. During one outlanding, it was 2013, I guess, I just broke the glider a bit because the brakes they didn't really work on the wheel uh, as it should. And uh, I chose really short fields to, uh, to land. So that, that was really everything wrong with the outlanding. And uh, the wheel broke into the fuselage. So it had to be repaired. And I was afraid to uh, fly the 19 again. So I was flying 15 because it is also a really nice glider and a bit slower. So I've been flying the, the 15 uh, since then. And after, uh, after a few years, I realized that I should move to another type. So I got back to the 19 because a friend of mine offered me to fly it during junior nationals. And so I just got back to the 19 and really fell in love with the glider. So it was love on the second side, I would say. <laughs> and uh, I have so many hours flown on that type that it will be always the first glider I will mention when someone asks me uh, what glider I really like. But uh, as the LS8 is uh, a different category of a glider, I think that I can say that LS8 is the first one in its category that really made me love gliding again and even more because the glider is really nice to handle. When I sat, uh, sat in the glider for the first time, it was like I have always been there. There was nothing unfamiliar. It was really nice to handle, nice to fly. To be honest, I didn't really feel any difference between flying without water ballast and with water ballast today because it was still the nicest glider I've ever flown. So, um, yeah, LS8 is really like great glider. And as uh, one of my Australian friend told me, flying the LS8 for the first time is, the, is really the most expensive flight you will ever, ever have because after the first flight with LS8, you need to have one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I would imagine. <laughs> yeah, so it's like that, basically, yeah. Can you tell me about the scariest winch launch or tow that you had and what you learned from it? Well, um, there weren't really many, many um, launches or toes uh, I would love to forget because I take any experience as a good experience that can improve me as a pilot. But there were two, actually. Uh, one was uh, during towing to the wave because I, I also happen to be uh, a wave pilot because we have some mountains in Czech Republic that are perfect to, to make the wave. And last year we flew more than, I don't know, I really don't, don't remember the, the number, but 700 kilometer uh, cross-country flight was a usual thing last year. So really, good, really, really good place to, to uh, experience wave. And one of the first towings I had was really a mess. Uh, I couldn't really handle the glider. I didn't see the toe. 
plane and uh yeah so it was really really hard as you probably know or guessed we flew through the rotor so that was it <laughs> so everything everything was flying in the canopy so i couldn't really uh focus on on flying or, or checking the tow plane so it was really really hard so that was my first uh a bit scary towing the uh, second was Actually, during my retraining for uh, the 19, it was back in 2013, and there was a minimum weight in the canopy for the pilots, 80, 85 kilograms, and at that time I had 65. So uh, I re I couldn't really handle the glider as well, and when I released the glider, just did something weird some weird movement in the, in the in the air so i landed immediately and my friend who was retraining me he was running at me saying sorry sorry and he had some ballast in his hands to put in the fuselage so he was oh, really wow. he was he, yeah so so uh it was a bit luck so How since was then I, I'm just checking checking the minimum minimum uh, weight in the canopy, so it was helpful that I survived. <laughs> yeah, how was the landing? Well, the landing was really tricky because I had to uh, like move the stick forward uh, the whole time just to be able just to be able to fly like to the ground. So, well, I I just managed somehow. I don't really think it was something something um un unbearable but uh it wasn't really pleasant to be honest yeah a little scary yeah a bit but uh, i think there are more scariest things in the world for example spiders i hate spiders <laughs> <laughs> We will get right back to our guest in a moment, but now our soaring safety segment and some advice from our previous guest, Sebastian Kawa. The result itself is not that important. The important thing is how you do it and if you learn from it. And that's, um, uh, that's why I would recommend to fly not looking at the instruments like um, a flarm, but uh, more flying by yourself. Of course, using other gliders is okay, but uh, the gliders that you can see out, outside from your cockpit. Thank you, Sebastian. If you would like to hear more of our chat with him, check out episode 20, The Wings of a Champion. If you want to sponsor our Soaring Safety segment, you can contact me at chuck at soaringthesky.com. And now, back to our guest. What is the coolest or strangest thing you've seen from the cockpit? Well, there were really many, many things that I remember and will probably never forget. The first thing that comes to my mind is seeing incredibly large dust devil in Australia. How it was developing on the, uh, on the ground, uh, slowly reaching the height and on the top of it there was a cumulus cloud so it was something it was it was a picture like from a textbook so that uh, was yeah the, yeah so that is like the first thing that, that that comes to my mind and maybe the strangest thing or the strangest feeling i had was when i saw my uh my friend on a parachute in the middle of a huge thermal with 
nearly 30 gliders as he had to like bumped out of the glider as there was a crash like mid-air so that was that was probably the strangest thing i've ever seen the most scariest one and yeah it was really strange because i felt relief that he's okay but i was scared uh, or worried about him at the same time because i could imagine what things came to his mind like oh my god what is happening i'm on a parachute in the middle of the thermal and there were those 30 30 more gliders uh that were like turning around him so i was afraid that somebody doesn't didn't really see him so yeah strangest and the most scariest thing i've ever seen and really don't want to see that ever again <laughs> wow did everyone made it okay then yeah, yeah, yeah. The the other guy, he was flying Yantar, so basically the Yantar uh, glider was all okay, only the canopy was uh, crashed a bit. So this guy made it to a nearby airfield to land somewhere safe, and my friend on the parachute landed after a few minutes because there was a really strong thermal uh, where he was uh, in the, on a parachute, so it took some time. And the other friend uh, who was in the team just landed as he was the lowest one um, in the thermal. He landed and checked if he's okay. So it, it was 100 kilometers away from uh, the origin airfield of the of the task. So it was really the toughest uh, 100 kilometers we flew back home. But yeah, I was really glad the other friend who landed near our friend, he told him that it would be really great if he says something in the radio. So we heard him, I'm okay, just fly home, see you, see, see you in the evening. And yeah, that was it. So everyone made it okay at last. So great. it was really, yeah. Good to hear that. Speaking of yeah. safety, I would imagine you use Flarm. Yeah, I do. I do. It's a necessity nowadays. Yeah, so it's with a lot of gliders in yeah. there, for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's much better. But it is really important to use it correctly. So because um, when there are some some people who like really rely on the flarm, it is really not not that super good to rely on just the instrument. To be honest, I think that flarm is really helpful. And it can stop a bad accident, but still all the pilots really should look out. It can help, but we have to use our own eyes and not the flarm only. Yeah, keep your head out of the cockpit for sure. That's correct. That's some great advice. How do you think we could be better and safer pilots? What would you tell someone? If someone asks me uh, this question, I would say that... It is really necessary to think about the others uh, in the air as well, not only ourselves. So when you're entering a thermal, when you're entering a circuit at the airfield or airport, anytime you meet someone in the air, uh, we just have to think what the other sees. If, if he can see us if, or if don't, that we have to be careful and um, so, so I would say, think about the others as well and not about yourself only. Great advice. Thank you. 
Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Do you have anyone that you'd like to give a shout out that's been really instrumental in your soaring? Well, there are really many people that helped me with my soaring, but I would mention one one person. She's like a sister to me. Uh, you can find her on the Instagram, Limayenki. She's flying anything or everything you can imagine. She's also a tow pilot. And uh, speaking about competitions, we are, we are a team. So we are flying together. And uh, yeah, she's really like a sister to me. So yeah, <laughs> shout out to my wow. sister. Hey. <laughs> now you're on Instagram as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And what is your Instagram? Uh, well, my Instagram is Gliding Junkie. Uh, because I'm gliding junkie. <laughs> <laughs> that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. I, I I had a different nickname, but I realized that gliding junkie really sums it up all uh, and descri- describes me really uh, good, I would say. Yeah, so gliding junkie is my account on the Instagram. What kind of birds have you soared with? Any particular memory or moment that maybe sticks out? Uh, yeah, once once in a lifetime, uh, I met an, a great eagle. It it had two meters of wingspan, and it was something incredible. I didn't have any camera with me to uh, take a photo or take a video, and so I I just I, I just was able to enjoy the moment, uh, soaring with the eagle. Yeah, so that is like really a memorable moment or encounter of the third kind (laughs) yeah i I remember the first time i flew with a red-tailed hawk in a thermal and yeah it's one of those one of those things that you you'll never forget yes those are really memorable moments and um yeah maybe maybe i remember one from uh hungary as well as i as i was flying junior worlds last year and there was really uh there were really really many many birds in one thermal i think uh i don't know what 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 kind of birds actually but there were like 50 in one thermal and it was incredible as well something i've never seen only in hungary i have never seen that many in one thermal wow yeah well also uh again i didn't have any camera to to take a shot so uh i just decided to take it to my memory and never forget it. I know you mentioned Australia being one of those places that it was a dream to fly and you finally got to do it. Are there any other glider ports around the world that you really would like to fly someday? Well, definitely there is one and it is not not that far from Australia. It is uh, Omarama Airfield in New Zealand. As as I've met uh, Milan Kmetovic from Hungary, who is an instructor at Omarama, and he's doing really great photos from the wave. He was uh, talking in Hungary about uh, the New Zealand wave flying, and I was really stunned by by all the experience he 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 was able to to experience. And um, yeah, so this is definitely a place I would like to visit in my lifetime. But of course, there are many others as well. <laughs> now, you mentioned earlier you were a wave pilot. What got you into flying that type of flying glider? Uh, well, it's, it's something totally different from uh, thermal flying. 
it gives a pilot uh, more experience and it makes you a better pilot to experience something totally different. That's the same with rich flying. I think I just uh, learned in the wave that weather and nature is really strong and uh, you can only go with the flow and you really can't fight it. You have to think about about this during the way flying, that you really can't fight the wind. You have to go with it and you have to go with it smart not to get into a trouble. So, um, yeah, I think it, it taught me that nature is really powerful. What is some of your higher altitude flights you've had in the wave? Well, I, uh, I managed to, to get a diamond height. And I think it was uh, 6,900 meters uh, QNH. So oh, that, wow. that was, yeah, that was, that was the highest I, I remember. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that had been an awesome flight. Yeah. Well, it was, it was extremely cold. <laughs> yeah. It was really tough uh, at the end because there was only like uh, 0.1, 0.2 meter per second uh, rise. So, yeah, it was really tough at the end, but I made it and remember how, how great it was. The great feeling that, yes, I have it. I, I'm a good pilot. I have a diamond height. So, yeah, it's really, it, it, it was really um, something I would never forget as, as, uh, as the other experiences I had. Where do you see yourself in the future? What are your goals for soaring? Uh, actually, I aspire to be an instructor because um, I, I have I realized I have more than 1000 hours flown already. And I think that I have experienced uh, enough to be able to teach someone else to um, to love flying. <laughs> so I would like to be an instructor in the future. Hopefully, I will get the license this year, but we will see how uh, how much time I will have for that. Of course, I would love to attend many uh, world championships in the future to experience great flying, also meet great people because gliding is also about people and great people all around the world. So, and I really love to, uh, I really love to meet new people uh, that uh, love gliding as much as I do. Meeting those people during world championships is something, something I would like to experience more and more in my life. And um, my personal, my personal um, like goal is to, to be able to compete during like the general uh, world championships not only women worlds so yeah oh very nice very cool yeah the gliding community is an awesome community all around the world i'm finding that out doing this podcast it's been a lot of fun meeting you and meeting lots of other glider pilots yes that's totally true everyone that is involved in gliding or flying generally is really really helpful when you need to uh, help uh, with anything at their country and uh, that's the same with the Australia because Adam Woolley, that is some somebody that um, that is a name that is really well known, uh, and that is somebody who helped me out to find the 19 in Australia to borrow to fly. 
it was also something something that really proved me that uh, people gliding people around the world are really helpful in the community. So thank you, Adam, and thank you, Phil, <laughs> the owner of the 19. You were really helpful in Australia. Thank you very much for that. That's awesome. You know, I hear that happen a lot, especially like with the women's world in Australia. Talked to a couple people that they actually used other gliders because it's quite expensive, I'm sure, to get a glider there and a lot of time too. Yes, that's correct. Well, actually, uh, Czech team had uh, six gliders that were shipped from Europe to Australia. Uh, all those six, six gliders are like Czech team gliders. So, yeah, it's two and a half months to get it to Australia. But uh, it was much more comfortable for those pilots who flew uh, gliders that are familiar to them. So it was worth it, I think. And as it was six gliders, it was okay. And um, we, we from Club Class uh, borrowed uh, the gliders from locals. So there was no issue. And actually, the 19 I flew in Australia was so perfect that... Uh, I will never forget it because uh, it had winglets. So it was really nice to look on the wing. So I was always turning around to appreciate the winglet shape on the wing. It was really nice glider to fly. Phil, Phil has it really, really great. Um, it felt really good to be next to Phil, the owner, and Ingo Renner uh, on the insurance document. So it was really fine. <laughs> Now, your soaring season, you're there at the glider port today. Is it just starting? I mean, I know with a lot going on, a lot of glider ports aren't flying right now, but are you just now able to fly or what happened there? Yeah, uh, well, the situation all around the world is um, is really tough, as well as uh, the other countries or glider pilots in, uh, in other countries. We weren't allowed to fly. However, that changed two weeks ago. No, sorry, a week ago that we were finally uh, allowed to fly as gliding was considered not dangerous sport to spread the COVID-19. So uh, we still wear face masks uh, on the at the airfield. Uh, we are still maintaining the distance of two meters that, that is like recommended. And we, we don't really gather to enjoy a beer after flight so that's why i'm sitting here with my wine alone but we really accept the situation uh that we have to maintain some some regulations but the the most important thing is that we are allowed to fly so it, it is really great and as i understand we are one of uh, really last countries that are allowed to fly so I'm glad that we are among those that we are allowed to enjoy gliding and not to be closed at home all the time. Absolutely. Definitely good to get out. But, you know, a, a lot of glider ports yeah, are still closed. I'm hoping they, the trend kind of goes the way it is there with you. It sounds like you guys are still doing the right thing and you're still able to fly. So that's, that's awesome. Yeah, well, we are trying to. But it's not easy. It's something totally different that Czechs are used to because we are quite social. 
and um yeah we are among those nations who love beer of course so uh, <laughs> so um there is nothing like going to pubs or something with with your friends the social life really went to um went really low but actually it should it should be improved in few weeks as uh, our government advised so we will see how the situation changes, but at the moment, I think that we took the COVID-19 under control, hopefully. Very good. Yeah, we're all in this together, and we will come out on the other side, and we'll all be in the air again, and it'll be nice. Yeah, hopefully uh, it will be okay for uh, all the pilots around the world. I wish you really strong nerves and patience. We all will fly one day again, and it will be okay. Barbara, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast. It's been a pleasure to speak with you and to hear your adventures. Thank you for having me. It was a really great time. <laughs> you take care of yourself. You too, Jack. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you for joining us for another soaring adventure. To get in touch with us and to interact with us on social media, Michelle will have all that info for you next. Have a great week. Stay healthy, stay safe, and happy soaring. If you would like to say hi... Just drop Chuck a line at chuck at soaringthesky.com or you can send us a note on the website soaringthesky.com. Also, if you're a pilot, we want to hear your story. Just send us an email and Chuck will get in touch with you. We hope you join us next week for another great guest and adventure on Soaring the Sky. Music for the podcast was written and produced by Kim Spangler. Voiceover work was provided by Michelle Perez. Graphic design for the podcast was created by Zachary Fulton.